Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome back in, three minutes past seven o'clock to SENZ Summer Breakfast. The 10th of January, we're starting the year with a bang here at SENZ. The NFL is on. There's plenty of sport going on around the world in the UK. They keep chugging on as well. We're going to talk some road cycling later this hour at about 20 to 8. Julian Ennison is coming up. And we're going to, don't worry, we'll chuck out a Choices Flooring Poll as well because there's been plenty to choose from over the weekend. I want you to have your choice. There's lots to get through, including Tom Latham. We're going to talk to his old man, Rod, in his own right, a very, very accomplished athlete, about what we saw yesterday at Hagley Oval. Probably the ultimate bounce back from the Black Caps, really a dominant day of Test cricket. And across the ditch, there was plenty of Test cricket as well. Mitch, you reckon that that last session or that last kind of 20 minutes last night in the Ashes, um, that's about as compelling and as good as it gets? Oh, that's what Test cricket is, eh? <laughs> but like you say, you can get that in one-day cricket, kind of, kind of. Um, you know, I guess you're never playing for the draw. I guess, I guess that's a unique thing about cricket, isn't it? Test cricket in particular, that you can actually play for a draw and that's a decent result. I guess that's football as well, but like over five days, and nah, that's what it comes down it's, to. It's, it's, the, it's different, eh? It's yeah. the war of attrition, yeah. and then it's you can still yeah. you can still get a draw, which is a yeah. huge result, and it was a huge result for the English. This is how it transpired: one ball for one wicket. Can Steve Smith conjure it? He bowls to Jimmy Anderson. Oh. It's short, and the number eleven <laughs> defends. A broad grin from Jimmy Anderson, he survives. England defy Australia with one wicket remaining. The SCG test ends in a draw. There will be no whitewash. Australia remains 3-0 up. Utterly captivating to the very last ball. 
Oh, beautiful call again by our guy Jared Waitley over there in Australia for SCN. And how weird was that? Steve Smith, one of the great batsmen of his generation, bowling to maybe the greatest uh, fast bowler in Jimmy Anderson at the end. There's so much wrong with that. But again, that's the beauty of cricket. One man that would have gone straight to the top shelf to celebrate a hard-fought draw, gone into that massive gin cabinet of his and his wife's. It's Andrew Miller, the UK editor of ESP and Crick Info. Good evening, Andrew. How you doing? Doing, my friend, I'm very good. Thanks. Good morning over there. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was better. I was, I was, um, yeah, I was injecting the gin into my into my eyeballs during the Melbourne test. <laughs> That's an improvement, isn't it? <laughs> well, I believe you too. Yeah. So you would have been tor- torturing yourself with terrible gin. Treat yourself to a nice a nice drop last night. Uh, no doubt. Well, early in the morning. I mean, the viewing times are just brutal. What what's the vibe up there though? How are people feeling after a draw? Is there a little bit of relief, or really it didn't necessarily matter? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, it, it's not really something to celebrate. I mean, you know, <laughs> not losing a, a test match in Australia for the first time in a decade is is, is well, the second time in a decade, but it's it's not the, not the greatest achievement, but it is something. It is the closest thing to an achievement we've had in Australia, um, really since 2011. So. Uh, um, yeah, we're going to have to celebrate it somehow. It, at least it stops the rot. I mean, that, that's the key thing. Um, like I say, when it was 3-0 down after Melbourne, when we somehow managed to lose that test in two days and, and, and basically an hour, um, it looked like 5-0 all the way. And somehow the team have found sufficient fight in the last few uh, last few days to uh, dig themselves out of a corner. It's not going to turn anything around in the short term but it gives them something to work with, and that, that's all we can ask for at this stage. Yeah, Andrew, we, we spoke about um, not trying to fire up someone like a, uh, like a Johnny Bairstow, and it seems like the Aussie crowd really got under his skin and, and fired him up. And didn't we just see two amazing innings from Johnny Bairstow to, to draw that test? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Johnny, Johnny's such an interesting character in so many ways. I mean, I, last time I was on the show, I was talking about how England really... Um, went down the white ball route um, six years ago. And that's kind of where the, the root of their problems are in, in red ball cricket at the moment. They, they simply don't have the, the, the nous and the know-how to, to do it properly. And Johnny Bairstow is probably the classic example of a guy who has gone all in on the white ball team. He, he, the efforts he's put in to become arguably the most important player in that team, and you know, I, I don't, take, don't say that lightly, uh, but given given what he does to the, the stature of that white ball side with, with the way he tees off at the top of the innings, um, his, there's basically a, a, a departure for him. Back in 2016, he was quite possibly England's best red ball batsman. He, mm. he, he, he had a Joe Root type year, and he was also keeping wicket at the time. He, he scored about 1,400 runs in the, in the year, and he looked like the guy who was going to be our next really good, almost great red ball batsman. And then he decided no you know what, the, the onus here is on, on the World Cup, on, on being the best we can be in white ball cricket. I'm all in on this. And the efforts he put in were fundamental to winning that World Cup. But in so doing, he lost his way in red ball cricket. And this was, this was his, you know, throughout he's had this tenacity that really just, it, it, he digs in and drives on in a way that, that few can match. And um, I don't know if you know the, the full story about his, his father sadly took his own life many yes, years ago, but yeah. it was that 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 um, that week, fifth and fifth of January is 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 the week of his death, and so you know it was the same when he scored his first Test century in Cape Town during the New Year Test in in, in 2016. Uh, he had a you could see it written on his face. I'm not going to give this away 
in this in this week of all weeks. And um, uh, he, he touched on it afterwards. It, it's it's quite a beautiful moment for him to have personally. Yeah. Um, but it really epitomised, like you're saying, what what England needs to do just to dig deep and and find a way to to overcome everything that's gone wrong from on this tour. Yeah, true. Uh, you touched on the keeping that he he kept obviously back in 2016. Uh, Josh Butler maybe maybe out of the next test with that with that finger injury. Uh, Sam Billings has driven nine hours to join up with the team. Uh, do you think he comes into that next test, or is it just a Sam Billings thing to do? Drive nine hours to carry the drinks. It's mad, isn't it? I mean, it is such a sandbilling thing to do. But I, I think he plays. I, I think it, it, it would be it'd be very in keeping with everything that England has done wrong with Johnny Bairstow in particular to go from a position where finally he's he's made this breakthrough moment as a as a specialist batter in the side to say, oh, here you go, Johnny. You've just scored us a, a century, the first century of the tour. Have the gloves back. You know, mess up your own game for the sake of the wider team. So I think you know they ought to give him the chance to to cement that place and, and, and be the man he can be in, in, in that role and, and give Billings a go because, you know, what, uh, and, and also that, that leaves aside the, the, the issue of his, his impact injury on his thumb. There's a horrible um, blow he took from Pat Cummins. Mm. I mean, you, you see the thumb just twanging back like a, like a guitar string. It's, it's hor- horrific. Um, and so, you know, how he managed to overcome the pain of that to not only, you know, score the century the first inning and then bat for another two and a half hours in the second, um, real tenacity and, and, and yeah, absolutely what England needed. But uh, yeah, it's going to be all changed for that, uh, that next test with Butler out. And um, yeah, um, it, you know, hopefully England can, can build on this. Joe, well, Joe, that's exactly right, Andrew. And Joe Root said that this was a small step more than anything. And, and yeah, he was relieved. Um, and you could tell looking at Ben Stokes and himself up there on the side, side of the ground in the last few overs, the, the kind of. Oh, the emotion that was on their face, they really wanted it. They wanted it badly. So a small step. What sort of movement does this do for the pressure that might have been coming on Joe Root? Is there anything, or is it really still much the same? Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm torn about this one because I, I don't know if pressure is actually the, the, the relevant factor with Joe Root anymore. I mean, I've said before, it feels almost as though the England captaincy is more of a hostage situation than an honour at the moment. I mean, there's literally no one else who can do it. You know, he, four years ago, he lost the Ashes 4-0. Uh, he, you know, any other, any other period of English history, that would be the end of your captaincy tenure. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, he's the only guy since 1920-21 uh, when, when um, Johnny Douglas lost 5-0 as well uh, to captain, Australia, captain in Australia twice. It's such a rare honour. And it's such a sort of seminal moment in, in the cycle of English cricket to go out to Australia, captain, win or lose, and you don't do it again. It's like a, you know, it's a one-off, it's almost like the Ryder Cup captaincy. It's a, a one-off honour. And so for him to, to, to lose really, really badly in two consecutive Ashes tours and still be the only man for the job, I, I don't feel that's really fair. I, I, I almost wish he did just say, you know what, someone else have it. I've done my stint here. I'm, I'm already England's most capped captain in test history he's also won the most tests and lost the most tests you know he's, he's done absolutely everything he could possibly do in the role and I don't know how the team improves unless they try to change it up a bit um, whether, whether that means going to Ben Stokes or getting someone in you know maybe Stuart Broad God knows I mean it, it really is that desperate for England just to scout around find any old any old crack. player who can just 
Yeah. Give it a crack because, you know, if you don't change something, nothing's going to change. Yeah, fair. And I guess that's probably a good lead into um, the rumours going around. Gary Kirsten's really trying to position himself nicely to take over as just a test coach. Do you think that'll happen or do you, do you think they'll uh, retain Chris Silverwood across all formats? I don't think they're going to retain Chris Silverwood. I mean, he's been out of the limelight the last few weeks. Obviously, he's had this, this COVID um diagnosis so you know you know he's been mm. in isolation during this best match it's a horrible time for him i mean you know with, with the vultures circling and he can't even get out there and be with his be with his team so poor guy you know he's, he's almost almost irrelevant in in the grand scheme of things arguably england's best performance has come with him nowhere near the side so um i don't think they're going to retain him uh the interesting thing as you say is, is do they go down the the split route and um, I mean, one of the reasons they haven't previously is Ashley Giles is England's director of cricket. And he was also the last guy who was uh, white ball only coach in 2014. And um, that ended badly. England got beaten by the Netherlands in, in the 2014 T20 World Cup shortly after Andy Flowers' test team had been beaten 5-0. So basically all hell broke loose across formats for England around that time. And so they not really wanted to go down that route again. They wanted to have some sort of overarching supremo to... To over, oversee the, the grand direction, but I'm not sure that's possible. I almost think, you know, this week, and you mentioned Sam Billings a moment ago, Sam Billings was meant to be flying home uh, to go to prepare for England's white ball tour of the Caribbean, which starts next week. So England are already almost in that position where they've got a test team on one side of the world, a white ball team on the other side of the world, and they're the potential meet. There are very few players, Bairso obviously being one of them, Butler probably isn't anymore. He's had such a bad Ashes, he may not play again. Uh, Stokes, perhaps not in T20s, but other formats. There aren't very many guys who are, who are actually integral to both of England's red ball and white ball setups now. So it, it, it kind of enhances the case to, to split, the, split the coaching roles as well. Yeah, it looks like it's the way that's heading, doesn't it? Is there anything experimental they could try with selections in this last test, or will they try and, again, just play their, their best side and try and dig out a win or another gutsy draw? Yeah, well, I don't know what I don't know what experimental looks like for this England team anymore. <laughs> it feels like they've been experimenting with their openers, experimenting with their fast bowlers, they're going to experiment with a keeper. Um, I mean, God knows. One thing I would like to see... And this, uh, I can't believe it hasn't happened already. Um, Rory Burns and, and Zach Crawley, who has arguably played the best innings from an Englishman on tour with that 77 this morning, it was a glorious little knock. But they've never opened together in Test cricket, which is absolutely mad when you think that, you know, they're probably the two best openers in the country at the moment. Um, poor Hassi Bermid. I mean, I've, I've spoken about him before, but I, I feel incredibly sorry for him getting roped into this tour. It was... It just wasn't. I don't think it was fair to to throw him to the wolves like this. I don't think his technique was ready for an, for an Ashes tour. Um, I think he can come again, but he's got an awful long way to go to to fight back from the ignominy of this trip. So he's got to he's got to take a break. Rory Burns, I I don't understand why he was dropped in the first place. Given the slim pickings in this team, anyway, um, you know he's he's in the prime of his career. He's not so long ago he was probably one of the few guys who could have been mm. a successor as Test captain. And he gets binned basically on the basis of a first ball duck at Brisbane. I mean, you know, it wasn't a great shot, but that happens to a lot of people. But I'd like to see those two open. I think they're the best options that England have got at the moment. And, you know, if they get a base like that with, with two guys who, who, who can actually front up in some capacity, then everything else can go from there. Yeah. But 
Yeah, Beyond I think that, well, Rory Burns was. Yeah, Rory Burns yeah. was what the second second highest run scorer behind Joe Root, I think, coming into this Ashes series. Um, I guess talking oh, about right. the runs that have been scored uh, from an Englishman, it obviously wasn't ideal, but Usman Khawaja, uh, you've got to say, what a what a what an incredible performance coming back into that Test side after such a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm so pleased for him as well. I, I was out there in 2011 when he made his debut at Sydney against England. He, I think he got 37. Everyone was lauding it as the greatest 37 they'd ever seen because Australia at that stage were not quite as badly off as England are now. But, you know, they, was, the boot was on the, on the other foot and, uh, you know, people were looking for positives wherever they existed. And, you know, he's, he, I feel he's been a bit hard done by ever since then. I, I read a stat, I think he's played 30 of the last 66 tests uh, for Australia. So, you know, he's been a yo-yo selection in and out all over the place and I'm delighted that, that you know he, he nailed it down this time he still doesn't think he's going to play next week at Hobart I mean you know talk about England's problems I mean what a problem to have to, to, to have Travis Head coming back who was obviously instrumental in, in, in winning the Ashes in the first two tests coming back to compete for for replacing the middle order. I mean, you know, maybe Marcus Harris gets booted out, but, but you know, it's, it's nice problems. They're the sort of problems that England just don't have at the moment. They've just got nothing but nasty problems at the moment, and they're, they're not getting any easier with all the injuries. Well, that, on that cheery note, Andrew, um, <laughs> no, appreciate your time again. Not, nothing, but, nothing but festive joy around here. <laughs> no, appreciate your time again. We love your honesty. and Yeah, uh, look, a glimmer of hope or, or a small step, whatever it may be, it was a, a fantastic spectacle. And um, I think Test Cricket truly was, again, put on the pedestal that it should be, in, in our opinion here anyway, at SCNZ. So I appreciate your time, mate, and I'm sure we'll catch up again down the road. It was a pleasure. There you go. Go well. Andrew Miller, who is the UK editor of ESPN Crick Info. Mitch, you just mentioned it there. Uzi, Uzi Kawaja. Um, yeah. Wow. What a, what, a, what a story. And a guy who's just seems so lovable. I don't like, wouldn't know him. No, he's a legend, mate. Yeah, but he yeah. just seems like such a good dude. Yeah, he's an absolute legend. Uh, interesting enough, he, he is the third person to go uh, score 200s in an innings at the SCG. Doug Walters did it way back in 1969. Um, he scored 242 and 103. And then the great Ricky Ponting, 120 and 143 Hunter. not out against South Africa. And then obviously Aussie, 137 and 101 not out. So that's a that's good company to keep um, at the SCG with that kind of record. So, mate, it's incredible. He's a, leg- he's a legend of a fella. Um, and I think a bit like Colin Munro, um, having, having his daughter definitely kind of just put a lot of things in life into perspective. Um, and now he just plays with that freedom of like knowing that like cricket's not the be all and end all and mm. I'm out there enjoying myself and come what may, I've still got a great family um, and, and people who love them around him. So cricket's on the back burner. I, I know he makes an effort every night to, to go home and, and talk to his daughter or spend time with his daughter and wake up in the morning and spend time with her as well. So that's a huge part of his life with Rachel as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's so, it's so cool to hear, and I love it when someone comes across like such a good dude and they actually are. A couple more stats on that. Australians aged 35-plus to have scored two centuries in a test, Usman Khawaja and Don Bradman. Is it? Yeah. Um, Khawaja is the first Aussie to score tons in both innings of a test from number five since Steve War's famous 108 and 116 twin tons at Old Trafford in 97. Yeah. That was that, cool. that was yeah, that yeah. was re- uh, iconic, 
and he has scored more runs in two innings a series than Marcus Harris has in seven. So, well, that's another conversation, isn't it? It's a, another conversation. <laughs> that's another conversation. Entirely. 